カスタイム今次の放送は晩による晩のための晩放送ポッドキャルチアポッドキャストでこの番組はブランドスパンダーやりくんの財布の敵を日程送りますスイッチオンワンツースリー電流火花が体を走る自動チェンジ機械だダークロボット迎え撃て人造人間機械だはい。So, we are continuing our index coverage of Android Kikaida, the Tokusatsu series. We tonight are discussing episode 7, which not only does it have two different titles, depending on if you go to the actual Generation Kikaida website or if you go to Wikipedia, but even the Dark Destructoid Monster of the Week has two different names. So basically, episode seven is titled Bull Kong Malevolent Monster Mayhem or Monster Blues Kong's Great Rage. So, yeah, we've got those two different names. I think it's one of those like Sparkle, Spiku, Spiku things, <laughs> you know, like where depending on how you pronounce it and how it ends up getting translated into English. But the High level one sentence synopsis from August Rangone on the DVD itself states Bull Kong kills a man who has been campaigning against the Destructoids, and Dr. Komoji is framed. So that basically is the high level overview of the episode. But getting into the nitty gritty specifics of the episode itself. We open on a camera that is circling around a group of Japanese boy and girl scouts, I guess. That, that seemed to be what they were like. And they're singing like Japanese campfire songs. And then there's like this strange wind blowing overhead. And you can see their scoutmaster, who is,、uh, you know, an older woman, kind of like a, a teacher or something, or their, their scoutmaster, advises the troop that they'll. They're going to be returning to Tokyo tomorrow. But when all the little boys and girls return to their tents, they hear an ominous chopping noise in the forest. And so this、uh, young teacher or scoutmaster goes to investigate with an oil lamp, and we hear the creepy laugh of Bull or Blues Kong, who eventually stands revealed. And so, Bull or Blues Kong, I guess, 
I mean, you, you'd think with the name Kong, he kind of has an ape face, you know, like maybe he's got some kind of King Kong influence, but also he, he sort of has a dog collar too. Yeah. So there is some speculation that the original intent was for him to be like kind of a bulldog, but he, he does kind of look like half bulldog and half half giant ape or something like that. But I'm just curious, like what was your, your take on this particular dark destructoid monster of the week, Justin? He's so brightly colored. Like he seems kind of like, I don't know, comical, like hard, kind of hard to take serious. Like, like if I was one of those like boy scouts and I saw this coming at me, like, I don't think I would be scared. I would just be like, you know, like somebody's playing a prank on me. This like brightly colored, like, you know, bulldog ape looking thing is like coming at me for some reason. Like, I'm like, am I on candid camera? Like, what's going on here? Right, right. I, I, I also wrote down basically like other appearances or so-called appearances for this particular character. And as far as Blues Kong goes, like, this is something I've never actually, like, I, I don't think it's translated in English, so I'm, I'm not too clear on the veracity of this, but according to the Kakaida Wiki, one of the other places that Blues Kong appeared in was in the Android Kakaida novel. And basically what I was able to find out was that that novel was released to tie in to the Kakaida the reboot film. Like apparently it came out around like 2013, but a little bit before, like about, you know, 5 or 6 months before the 2014 reboot film. And so and and that novel is written by Kisuke Matsuoka and it says it's got artwork. So I'm like is it a graphic novel? Is it like a text novel that has like, you know, artwork, kind of like how when they did Bernie Wrightson doing Frankenstein, he did all these really cool pictures, but then the rest of the book itself was just Mary Shelley's text. Like, I don't really know. So I, I, I don't know too much about it. But anyway, there, there's that aspect. And supposedly Blues Kong is also in it with blue buffalo and blue water scorpion so i assume they had some kind of you know blue threesome theme going on where they were like attacking hakaida in that novel that's what it says happens and everything and apparently that you know it was the saburo hakaida and he was able to defeat blues kong pretty easily so that's basically what it says and by the end of it i guess hakaida you know destroys them all so that's that you know, I like I said, I've never read it myself, but that's another appearance. Something that I think you and I have both seen is the anime for Android Kakaida. And what they point to, and I did kind of review the episode to look, and I, I can kind of see what they're saying, but basically in, in one of the final episodes of Kakaida, it's episode thirteen, there are a great number of dark destructoids at the base when Hakaida and Kakaida come there, basically. And so all these destructoid monsters are sort of either watching as a bunch of different sort of Hakaida drones attack Kakaida. And among all these 
androids that are there. There is one that kind of looks like Blues Kong, and I guess it's fair enough to assume that maybe it's the anime version of Blues Kong because he's he's not quite as brightly colored as the version from the Tokusatsu, but he he does kind of have like a muted kind of gray tone blue and then you could see I, I don't know if it was a dog collar or not but there is some kind of red claw that he had so I'm assuming maybe that is tantamount to his you know his chain link you know thing that he launches off to dispatch people with and everything but do you, I, I'm just curious like I for me I had to look it up to get a refresher of it but do you remember what I'm talking about at all as far as the anime or, or is that just something where you know it, it's like barely a snippet so I would understand if you didn't remember that at all yeah that sounds kind of familiar but like I you know I remember you know several years ago when we first started doing this I reviewed the anime but like so it's been a while, but I, I kind of remember a scene like that, but like not... Because it's like, it seemed like all the the Destructoids that he had faced on the animated series, or on the animation as they call it, like a lot of them were in the background, like, like you know, Praying Green Mantis and all those guys, you know, that he had fought and destroyed before. There were like other versions of them kind of, you know, chanting on in the background. But of course there's this little kind of, you know, ape bulldog type thing you know when i was like oh i don't really remember that but yeah that that seems to make sense what the wiki is saying like that that does appear to look kind of like blues kong so i was like well that makes sense so i just figured i'd bring that up because i know we're you know i i that was one of my goals to try and you know if there are other connections to other media and everything to sort of bring those into our discussions on the individual episodes and everything Greetings, podcast listener. Do you like... Or maybe... Dragon Flame! How about... Tatsuo! Or... In the year 1999, an abandoned alien battle fortress crash-landed on the planet Earth. Our most brilliant scientist and engineer spent the next 10 years reconstructing the damaged ship and studying its highly advanced space technology called Robotech. Do you remember... Our Star Blazers! Or this? The year is after Colony 195. As the world constantly changes in the chaotic era, there are two mobile suits that could turn humans into the ultimate weapon. The Wing Zero, and the Epion. Or maybe even this. After the desire for blood pools all, the only hope left is the one they call D. Or this. Team, grappler ships dead ahead! It wouldn't be fun otherwise. Let's do it! Or... If Cardus is allowed to be reborn, she'll destroy Marmo as well as Lodos. Or have you seen the latest episode of... And just like that, everything changed. At that terrible moment, in our hearts, we knew home was a pen. Humanity, cattle. If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you should check out Anime Freaks, hosted by Dr. Bill Robinson and me, Gene Hendricks. Anime Freaks is a monthly podcast covering all things anime. It is available at 2TrueFreaks.com, 
and on iTunes under Two True Freaks Presents Anime Freaks. So at this point, Blues Kong intends to use the woman and the children as test subjects for dark experimentation. And this woman obviously wants nothing to do with that, and she tells all the children, all the boy and girl scouts, basically, to flee. But at this point, Blues Kong kills her, and he uses his launchable right wrist collar that's on a chain. And that's how this poor woman is killed. So we cut back to Tokyo, and at this point, the dead scoutmaster's widower and her son, Shiro, are trying to warn the citizens by protesting the evils of dark. Now, I, I, I don't know about you. I don't know what good that was going to do exactly. It, I mean, I guess informational, like if they didn't know Dark, because it's a big secret organization, I suppose the idea was they were going to spread the word. But it did seem kind of funny that they're like, you know, just kind of chanting, and it's just the two of them passing out flyers and stuff, and it seems like they're basically being ignored. Yeah, you know, you've got, you've got a, a son and his kid. They're basically saying, hey, like, you know, there's a secret evil organization out here is going to kill us all, and everyone just kind of like passes by as though they're like, you know, the crazy guy on the street with the sandwich mm. sign saying, you know, the end is near. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and even even Professor Komoji is there, and you know, at this point, he's still the wandering amnesiac, and he overhears what they're saying, and I I think they finally give up. You know, they they feel the same as almost as we feel, like nobody's paying attention to us, we'll try again tomorrow type thing, and they're headed home. And when Professor Komoji overhears what they're talking about, the word dark triggers some kind of, of, you know, recall or recognition within the recesses of his mind. And at that point, he decides, look, I'm going to seek out this father and son, and maybe they know more you know, maybe they'll know other things that will trigger my memory and maybe I can regain some of my lost memories. And at this point, they cut to the interior of the household that the father and son come from. And the father is, of course, mourning his wife still. And at this point, there are three strange trunks that basically appear magically out of nowhere in the household. And the widower basically opens up the trunks and he's kind of shocked to discover all these various parts of an android and it turns out those parts belong to Blues Kong and then it's like kind of creepy because the head actually starts talking to him even though it's a disembodied you know it, it's a decapitated head out of this trunk but basically he speaks to the mourning husband and tells him, I'm the one who killed your wife. And, I mean, clearly he's angered by being told this information, but it's not like he has much time to act, because basically, at this point, your favorite, my favorite, everyone's favorite, awful fucking dark flute Professor Gill music is playing. And it's kind of interesting, because it's almost like Professor Gill isn't even playing this music, but it's the theme that has to play for Blues Kong's various parts from the trunk 
to like reassemble themselves and it's kind of like they're just floating around in the air like whether it's telekinesis or whatever they don't really spell it out but basically they assemble into blues kong and at that point, he basically starts choking the husband to death and pretty much kills him. And then at that point, he just kind of summarily places himself back in the trunk as separate pieces. And then all those, you know, dark, 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 destructoid guys come in through a window and they totally like remove all the evidence. So it's like nobody knows that Blues Kong was ever there and he's the one that committed this heinous murder. And then, of course, on cue, Dr. Komoji finally shows up and is like, I'm just going to ask that father and that nice young man about, you know, helping me out with my memory. And when he walks through the door, he's kind of like, hey, buddy, what's up with you? Oh, my God, you're dead. And, of course, right at that moment, Shiro, the son, walks in and is like, Chawa killer! You know, he's like basically accusing him of, of murdering his father and everything. And and Dr. Komoji, of course, is protesting. He's like, I didn't have anything to do with this. But Shiro, at that point, is hesitant and does not believe him. You know, I've, I've watched a lot of, like, toku shows over the years. But, like, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like that sequence where, like, you know, you have, like, a, a disembodied robot appearing you know in separate trunks he assembles himself and kills someone disassembles himself and then the you know the goon squad like t just takes those trunks out of there that was like really unusual and kind of like i thought it was like kind of creative yeah i thought i thought it was kind of interesting i mean it, it's weird i suppose if you stop and think about it too much like if they magically showed up out of nowhere why couldn't they magically disappear out of nowhere but yeah it is it is kind of cool how they basically just clean up all evidence of wrongdoing so that you know basically nothing is pointing to dark so it's still sort of retaining its its secret nature and everything so in this case we are also cutting back to professor gill at the dark headquarters and even gill is kind of shocked to learn that now at this point Komoji's wanted for the murder i think and the 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 name of the widower or the father is Unaba Tetsuo, and that's the first time we hear his name on the television channel. And at this point, Hatori Hanpei, Justin's favorite character, also <laughs> sees the broadcast. And at this point, he proves why he's Justin's favorite, said in air quotes, because at this point he decides, should I tell Mitsuko about her dad? Or should I tell the police first? Because maybe I'll get more money out of it if I tell the police first. So again, it's like he, he kind of, his, his initial instinct is to be altruistic, but his, I guess, greed and, and sort of, you know, yearning to, I guess, feed himself, you know, something more than ramen noodles is, is kind of giving him pause, you know, at that point. Were you angry that, that he even considered not telling Mitsuko? Or did, are, are you at that point where you're just chalking it up to this is part of his personality and I'm sure he'll uh, you know, come around to do the right thing by the end of the episode? Or like how, how is the character playing for you after you know, watching and kind of reviewing these last couple episodes? Yeah, I, I think by now I'm kind of like, you know, I'm not surprised when he's considering you know doing something slightly like sneaky or nefarious to like pay his bills or whatever so like 
when he was like contemplating it, I was like, well, you know, okay, like, you know, he is what he is, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And and at this point, basically, the Japanese police have Komoji in holding, and they're grilling him in this interrogation room on the murder, and and they're basically trying to force a confession out of him, even though he's he's constantly denying any wrongdoing. And then, of course, the three trunks, again, then magically appear in the interrogation room. And then the parts merge to form Blues Kong. And, you know, Blues Kong says he's there for Dr. Komoji and begins to take him away. And as he does so, the police pull their firearms and start shooting. But clearly he's impervious to the gunfire. And then he does, like, this master stroke where he uses that wrist collar on the chain and he basically like it's like kills three three count them three police officers with one shot and he's so he's basically obviously very deadly you start to wonder if Komoji is going to get blamed for you know murdering police now as well you know if if, if people were paying attention or not you know so it, it seems like it's pretty serious and Blues Kong kind of tries to force Komoji into uh, a vehicle that's being driven by a dark agent. And then he's kind of like, come on, man, drive him. And, and uh, you know, basically he discovers this destructoid driver is literally a lifeless pushover. And then we end up hearing the cherry red guitar of Justice play as Jiro standing high atop a tower. And so it's the traditional kind of Kakaida introduction. Jiro leaps down from the large tower to fight Blues Kong and gives him a double chop and then gets Komoji to safety. You know, in the background, the young boy Shiro sees all this going on and he actually thinks Jiro is saving someone who who murdered his mother basically so he's he's kind of slyly following them but doesn't really trust jiro at this point and he certainly doesn't trust dr komoji blues kong is trying to cut off jiro and komoji's escape and then the doctor faints and jiro again is sonically attacked by professor gill's devil flute and then Blues Kong is firing all these missiles, and the missiles actually turn out to be the red spikes on what looks to be his dog collar. So the spikes come off, and they start being flung at Kakaida. And like this, in this case, I think it's pretty clearly spelt out. I know yeah. in certain episodes you feel like there's no explanation of why Gil's devil flute stops working it just does so Kakaida can transform but in this case they kind of spell out through narration that the devil flute stops working on him because the sound of the explosions from Blues Kong's missiles basically drown out Professor Gil's flute so luckily you know even though Blues Kong is trying to do in Kakaida he, he unwittingly sort of helps him, you know, transform, basically. You know, what what I thought was interesting a bit earlier was he actually, like, does the double chalk against Blues Kong before he transforms. And I, I don't think we've seen that before. And, you know, I'm always kind of interested in, like, what these characters can do, like, when they're transformed versus, like, when they're not transformed. You know, it's like, 
you know, like common writers, like what exactly can Hongo Takashi do as, you know, a regular person versus like when he's transformed, like can he like, you know, is he bulletproof? Like can he like, you know, leap off of a tall like skyscraper? And it's like, you know, I guess like in Jiro's case, he can actually like, you know, you use his abilities. He can use his double chop even when he's like, you know, not transformed. Yeah, I mean, if if you if you go into I guess like something like the reboot movie, you know, maybe you you'd be under the impression that Jiro's just a holographic image, you know, and he's he's an android, you know, a hundred percent of the time. But if you're if you're kind of going uh, with the aspect that you know, as Jiro, he's of a certain power set and certain type, and then when he transforms in Kakaida, he he would be a different level of of power type and stuff like that. Then yeah, I mean, if if you know, dare I say it, you know, maybe the judo chop is equivalent to a civilian power. But yeah, I mean, I mean, at this point, Jiro does the 3-2-1 change into Kakaida, and Blues Kong and the Dark Destructoid troops are attacking Kakaida, and at this point, Blues Kong reveals one of his other abilities, which I was kind of describing as, it's kind of like he's got super breath, but... I mean, he also seems to end up freezing all of his own dudes, you know, like, because it's like they seem to be getting in his way and everything. So you can see the dark troops basically get all kind of, you know, snowy tinted, I guess, because they're standing in the path of of what is essentially a, a super freezing kind of windy, you know, super breath or something like that. At this point, Kakaida performs the double chop and the giant swing on Blues Kong. And Komoji at this point finally wakes up and of course he's afraid for his life, so he flees the battleground. And, you know, Shiro ends up confronting the fleeing Komoji because he still thinks that this is the man who murdered his mother. And while Shiro is running after Komoji, Blues Kong launches more of those dog spike collar missiles at Komoji and Shiro, but Kakaida, seeing where they're headed, ends up doing this kind of backflip and stands right in the path, so he takes a direct hit that was meant for them. And then Blues Kong charges Kakaida and the boy, and at that point, Kakaida says, look, it's time to get the hell out of here, so he takes shiro and this i thought was kind of cool because i'm like look there's a reason for the sidecar to have a sidecar because you've got this little boy shiro sitting in the sidecar as kakaida you know basically rides off and and he's trying to get him out of harm's way basically so i was like hey the sidecar is actually useful on the sidecar for once And then I think after that, we come back from commercial break and Jiro is basically collapsing because he's been hit by this missile and they bring him back to Hattori Hanpei's like home slash detective agency. And we can see Mitsuko and Masaro are also there and they end up moving him to a mat and a pillow. Like, at first I thought they were going to, like, get him on an operating table or something or bring him to a nice comfy bed, but I'm like, oh, it's Japan. They're going to, like, sleep <laughs> yeah. on the floor on a, a hard fucking mat. And I was like, that can't be that can't be too comfortable. But, you know, whatever. So He, he can take it. He's, you know, inside yeah. he's, a, he's an android. 
at this point, we were cutting back to Professor Gill, and he's looking at this schematic of Kakaida, and they're trying to figure out, like, you know, assess, like, the, the damage performed from Blues Kong, basically. Like, what did this missile do? And a lot of the scientists and Gill all think, like, at this point, oh, well, this was a, a key essential portion of Kakaida's electronics and, and mechanical maintenance and they they pretty much think he's gravely injured and that he he won't be able to move his right arm and at this point mitsuku and masaru are basically coming to that same conclusion and they think the only way to repair him is to get him to go to this secret dark facility and it seems like i guess jiro's overheard all this in the background while he's laying down on that hard mat and he basically rides off on his own in the sidecar while everybody else isn't looking. And I guess his intent is to sort of break into that facility and treat himself. So he basically kind of goes in and, and, and he is kind of going all solid snake on all these dark destructoids and kind of infiltrating the secret base and taking them out. And he finally goes to an android repair station. And I guess Mitsuko is also a super badass because apparently she either just followed his trail of destruction or maybe she took out a couple of dark people. We don't really know, but she basically followed right behind him. And she says she's there to assist and she's trying to repair him. But then all of a sudden, Blues Kong enters to shut off the electricity. And at that point, we can hear Gil on like some kind of intercom or something. And Gil is basically threatening to remove Jiro's conscience circuit. And then all of a sudden, we see there are all these electrical outbursts. And all the dark folks don't know what the hell is going on. And it turns out to be our good buddy, Hattori Hanpei. And he's messing with all the electrical generators. So Hattori Hanpei's out there trying to do some, some good for his friends. And this helps Jiro break free. And at this point, he transforms into Kakaida. And Blues Kong is firing missiles. And I think the impression they give you is that Blues Kong believes Kakaida to be dead. But of course, at that time, we hear the guitar music playing. And Kakaida is actually fine just hanging on a mountain. And, but it's more like, you know, he's got his, his intro music or background music because Kakaida's not actually playing the cherry red guitar, but we can hear the guitar music regardless of whether he's playing it or not. And then basically we have a final showdown with the Dark Destructoid agents who are, are kind of like acting like, you know, like circus troupe or something like that because yeah. like all those dark guys, like they... They do like the three man like pile up where like they're all or, or maybe like cheerleaders or something. I don't know. But they all they all kind of stack up and stand on top of each other like that's a, a means of, of combat or something. But what, I don't know what what good it really did them. What I thought of was like I was expecting them to be like, give it up, Kakaida. We have the high ground. <laughs> uh, and then Kakaida's like, but we are brothers. I don't want to kill you. Just like Obi-Wan. And so we've got Blues Kong there, and he, at this point, he manages to nab Kakaida on his chain, and now he's swinging Kakaida around and, and trying to, like, I guess, you know, screw him up and everything. 
But again, Kakaida resorts to the old standby. And I guess at this point, he's just had enough. And, and it's coming close towards the end of the episode. So I guess they need to wrap it up. But Kakaida quickly does a double chop, a giant swing. And then he immediately goes into the end. And at that point, I mean, it's all over for Blues Kong. I mean, now he's basically, you know, falling off this large rock quarry. And, of course, the watch parts are flying all over the place. So clearly he's he's deader than a doornail. And we end up going to a, a brief epilogue where Shiro, who now you're kind of forced to imagine is now an orphan boy and he's mourning his parents and you know of course Mitsuko and Masaru are sort of sympathizing with him and then it's your typical kind of Kakaida ending because Jiro is solo riding off in the sidecar and that's about it so I guess I'll just ask real quick like you have any first impressions or or specific thoughts other than what we've been talking about so far for this this particular episode justin i liked it i mean I, you know like i said I, i'm always interested in like the workings of kakaida so it was to me it was neat to see not only do we see like his inner workings like in his shoulder being repaired but like you know seeing mitsuko like doing the repair work i thought that was interesting too as far as the episode goes like i enjoyed it but like like i said earlier like i didn't think you know, Blues Kong or Bulls Kong or, or however you want to say it. Like, I, I didn't think, like, he was that, like, that threatening. And, and mostly it has to do with, like, his coloring. Like, he's just uh, kind of, like, comical in my head. Do you think, like, would you have picked less brighter... Like, would it have helped you if he was, you know, a, a, a kind of more muted shade of, like, gray-blue? And if he had, like, a maroon collar? Or would you have wanted him to be, like, this kind of you know, black, dark ape with, like, a gold collar. So, I mean, I, I'm i just yeah. curious, like, something uh, like that. Yeah, I think, like, maybe, you know, blacks and grays or something. And I think it would have helped if they could, like, settled on, okay, he's he's an ape. No, he's a dog or, you know, like, you, right. you know, like, set, pick one and, and go with it. And, you know, like, I don't, I've never seen a blue gorilla or a blue bulldog. So, like. Right, yeah, that, right. That's, well, that, like, that's that a cartoon sense. thing to me, but, you know, I mean, you know, like, it, it's for kids, so, you know, it's like, it, it's just a, it's a little thing. Yeah, um, yeah. And then, like, when Gil is looking at that big diagram of Kakaida, the only thing in, I thought in my head was, like, it's a life-size Kakaida, like, adult coloring book, because it looked like they, <laughs> it looked like you could see, like, little crayon scribbles where they'd colored, like, you know, certain, like, inner, like, mechanisms with crayons or something, like, that kind of, like, amused me kind of looked to me like you remember those old like paint by numbers yeah where you attach the right colors and everything yeah. so it looked like it was an unfinished paint by numbers schematic or something like that and they're like oh see this part where we haven't painted that is where the damage to kakaida's arm is you know like that kind of thing i i enjoyed the episode i liked it i i you know i usually enjoy watching these kakaida episodes and everything I, I did think it was kind of like th they didn't have much of a chance to reflect on the fact that this poor kid is orphaned. But it was an interesting idea, kind of, you know, making it look like Komoji, you know, did the deed and sort of in some ways it's almost like they unintentionally framed him and everything. I, I think, you know, for 
Blues Kong, like, he... I, I think it worked better when it was kind of creepy, like in the first scene where it's like a campground, it's the middle of the night, and you hear these creepy chopping noises and everything. But I, I see what you're saying. Like, even though it was late at night and, and some of the other scenes, you know, during the day even less so, but I, I guess the minute you see him, he's a little less scary than your imagination yeah. may have led you to believe. Yeah, so I, I, I totally can get and understand that. I, I think, you know, something else we had talked about before we were going to do the show was maybe it'd be fun as part of a continuing segment is uh, along with the regular standard intro in the DVD that August Rangone writes, he also has a slew of factoids that are on the DVD. Like, if you look at, like, what's written up on some of the special features on the DVD. And these are also, like, online to read as well. So I just thought maybe it'd be cool if we had Justin maybe read some of those. And we could sort of, you know, discuss, you know, some of those those factoids. And see if there's anything that's either familiar to us or something that's you know, fun to talk about or whatever. All right, I'll, I'll just read a couple because there are several of them. In the planning stages, this Dark Destructoid was indeed conceived as Red Dog, announced in the first episode as a Scarlet Dog and then Blue Dog. Confusion arises in a Japanese rendering of Blue, Buru, is also the same as Bull, further underlining his canine origins. This is revealed in the production notes and from the original design sheets at Ishinomori Productions. So I guess that, like, you know, settles uh, the bulldog-ape conundrum we were talking about. Yeah, yeah, that's that's probably why. You know, it's one of those kind of spike-sparkle, you know, how somebody, you know, buru, busururu, or whatever, like how they pronounce all that kind of stuff. And so it gets it gets confusing when you convert it to, to English because they, they talk about how the name became Burusu or what is it, Burusu Kongu, so it's like, it's like, but then I guess when they translated it to English to differentiate it from Blue Buffalo, they didn't want another guy named like Blue Kong, yeah. they decided to call him Blues Kong. And this other one I thought was pretty interesting. When Mitsuko attempts to repair Kikata's damaged shoulder in a dark repair station, there are two well-built electronic command desks which were rented from Toho Studios. The silver curved desk was originally designed and built for the Alien Command Room set in Godzilla Tower, featured in the 1972 film Godzilla vs. Gigan. Some electronic equipment from Son of Godzilla can also be spotted. These props can also be spotted in several other episodes of Kakaida. So I guess like they were they were renting some old props from leftover Godzilla films from Toho, which is pretty neat. Yeah, I thought that was cool. I, I, I did try to pay special attention to the props while we watched it because I had read that and but you know, before I started rewatching this episode for the podcast, but I, I don't know that I, I guess maybe I'd have to also bust out Godzilla versus Gigan. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like and kind of put them side by side and kind of go, Oh, I see. Because I, I, I mean, obviously I, I love watching those Godzilla movies, but I don't think it was one of those things that immediately stood out to me yeah. you know that that something that i would have noticed but it is a very you know obviously we're, we're fans of godzilla as well so that is a cool sort of connection between kikaida and godzilla where you're like oh that's kind of neat this is tokyo once a city of six million people 
What has happened here was caused by a force which, up until a few days ago, was entirely beyond the scope of man's imagination. Tokyo, a smoldering memorial to the unknown. An unknown which at this very moment still prevails and could at any time lash out with its terrible destruction anywhere else in the world. Hi folks, Luke Giaconetti here. I'd like to ask you a few questions. Do you like giant monsters? Or as they're called in Japan, Daikaiju? Monsters like Godzilla, Rodan, Gamera, King Ghidorah, or Mothra? Do you like more obscure monsters, such as Gappa or Yangari? Do you like giant heroes like Ultraman, or super robots like the Shogun Warriors? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then I think you might like my podcast, Earth Destruction Directive. I'm a dedicated fan of all things Daikaiju, and I'd like to share that with all of you. Please check out Earth Destruction Directive at twotruefreaks.com. Earth Destruction Directive, where we turn your Daikaiju dreams into city-smashing reality. Cool, alright. Well, I, I, I think that's pretty much like what we were looking for with that segment, you know, just trying to, you know, bring up some cool factoids and, and kind of see what we thought about them and everything like that. So, I mean, unless you have any other final thoughts, Justin, I guess I can try and wrap up this, this episode. I think we are at the end. All right. So if you've enjoyed listening to this Toku Thursdays, we are very pleased if you have. Uh, you can send us comments, questions, and or concerns at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. We are on the fanholespodcast.blogspot.com regularly. We are also on Stitcher Radio, where you can stream us. You can find us on iTunes. We appreciate any iTunes reviews because they really help find or, or help people um, find the shows. And if you've enjoyed this segment, which is our Fan Hall's Toku Thursdays, you can be advised that there are many other spinoff shows, such as Sentai Saturdays, Transformers Tuesdays, and Mobile Suit Mondays, in addition to our proper podcasts. So if you've enjoyed Toku Thursdays, we hope you consider checking out some of those other shows. And we can also be found on all kinds of social medias, Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, and we appreciate all the likes and feedback we receive there as well. So until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, signing off. And this is Justin.